Rockies knowledge on Locked on Rockies. I'm bringing in the great Thomas Harding. You are Locked on Rockies, your daily Colorado Rockies podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Rockies fans, and welcome to Locked On Rockies. This is the podcast we talk about the Colorado Rockies all season long. There is no off-season here. I'm your guest host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I've had a lot of fun filling in this week as I'm an Emmy-nominated television producer who's been a baseball podcaster for well over a decade now, and I've been part of the Lockdown Podcast Network for the last five seasons. Normally, I'm the host of Lockdown MLB, and you can follow that at Lockdown MLB pods on twitter and on instagram i'm your pal sully but sully baseball on twitter sully baseball podcast on instagram follow this show at lo rockies on twitter follow paul holden your normal host of uh, paul holden 33 and please please subscribe to us on youtube today we have a special treat we have thomas harding who is a wonderful writer for MLB.com, where he covers the Rockies and doing so for years. He has forgotten more about the Rockies than any of us will ever know. And we had a wonderful conversation about the Rockies of the past, present, and future here on this episode of Locked on Rockies. I'm extraordinarily pleased to welcome to Locked on Rockies a man who was a guest on uh, my Sully Baseball podcast, many moons ago and is a must follow not just if you're a Rockies fan but as a baseball fan it's Thomas Harding who writes for the Rockies for MLB.com good to good to see you again good to see you again it's great to be on with you yeah I know it's been a while it's been a while but yeah, uh, a long while That's I right. know I, I think the Rockies were good in between the time that we last <laughs> well um, there, yeah there's a time when people actually see me and call me and everything else. I mean, the, even when they're not good, the Rockies are always interesting. I'll say that about them. Uh, they've, and I think they've been, you know, I, I've been, I've been a, uh, you know, guest hosting a couple episodes this week. I think the Rockies have been a very strange and interesting team after the all-star break. And because they faced, they've been facing with the exception of the nationals, they've been facing predominantly contenders and making them, have fits along the way you know they 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 gave the they gave the marlins fits they gave the yankees fits and they've also been winning weird games you know like the the extra inning game that went on with you know that that i think is still going on uh against the yankees and then there was you know (laughs) some of those games against the marlins in fact it wasn't for that weird extra inning game that they lost they would have swept uh miami and i mean how much of this is people taking the Rockies lightly and how much is the Rockies basically like, Hey, um, we've got nothing to lose and and kind of playing a little loose. Well, I think it comes down to an old fashioned thing, pitching, especially starting pitching. They've actually gotten it lately from someone other than Austin Gomber. I mean, Chase Anderson pitched Mm -hmm. well in Miami and so did a couple of guys in Washington, Austin Gomber and, Mm -hmm. uh, and Peter Lambert. I mean, and, and then they got that weird bullpen game, but Carl Kaufman, the still a prospect, I'll call him. He's a rookie. Um, you know, he pitched well in that one. So they've actually pitched. And here's the weird thing, and this is why this is just another where place where the Rockies are a little bit weird. You look at their performance over the over over this season. The one thing they do well is protect leads. 
Yes. They have rarely lost late leads. And what happened the last two games in Washington? Justin Lawrence and then Daniel Bard, who have been pitching well, go out yeah. and they lose leads and they end up losing those two games. So, um, yeah, the, the Rockies, they're always going to be interesting. Always going to be interesting. I think the game, not the one on Wednesday, the one that they dropped on on Tuesday. I mean, I this – I'm not a player. I want to dispel any rumors that I'm a player, but uh, I, I honestly think the fact that that rain delay hurt them. I think that they are, they, I think that they're big hiccup in the middle of that game. And when they came back, uh, I just, yeah, I was stunned that they lost that because I thought they were, they were in control up until the home run by who, who the heck was he? Was it Candelaria? Who hit the home run for them? Uh, was it Manessis? Manessis, thank you. Joey Manessis. Yes. Yeah, he hit the yeah. home run for him. Forgive me. The, the the Nationals, after they traded away Max Scherzer, they're kind of a little blob in my head of I'm not sure who's on that team anymore. Yeah, um, I, I'll tell you, in a couple of years, you may be sure, you know, because it looks like they've done some good things with the deals. Yeah, that, that was the game that was just strange. This is the second straight year the, the Rockies have gone to Washington. Yeah. And had a rain delay when the rain didn't come. It was a it was a rain anticipation delay, and the rain didn't show up. I hate um, those. You know, I hate the, uh, if that game had gone normally, though, let's say let's say even after that first rain delay with no rain, because there actually was rain later. I think that that threw the game into a tizzy there. But it would have been the same game because they probably would have gone to Justin Lawrence, right. you know, to, to to try to get them to Daniel Bard in the ninth inning. Um, th- those two have been kind of switching off on it. So the question that I had, and I've, I've had it and dismissed it, was is the bullpen a little bit tired, especially the main guys, because they've had really three bullpen games in the last week, week and a half. And that's hard to do for this team because they don't do it much because of where they play at home. If right. you have a bullpen game, then the next day your starter is poor. You really have problems. So, um, But I'm not sure that was an excuse. It's just that they're, they're – their main guys had really bad days. Yeah. They got a good performance from Seabold, and they got a good performance from a couple other pitchers that I was not necessarily expecting from them, um, you know, in the in that series against, against the Nats. And um, But you're right. The game that Kaufman – he was he – was, was that the game they had an opener? Yes. Um, okay. uh, Jake, yeah, Jake Bird opened that game. Right, and right. And then Kaufman pitched great for four innings, and then yes. – and then they held on for dear life. <laughs> right, they held on. They ended up winning that game. It was it was a weird game because it was one of those 2023 quick games, quick well-pitched games, and then the last three innings or so, it seemed like there were like 13 runs scored. It yeah. got really weird. It got yeah. weird, but the Rockies kept adding on. And that's the other thing about the Rockies um, lately is that they've hit a home run in 11 straight games. And mm-hmm. for at, for more than two years – this has been a team that's kind of known for home runs and they haven't been hitting them. And that's been a mystery. But then all of a sudden um, coming out of the all-star break, people are hitting home runs for them. Yeah. And they, and you mentioned uh, the other day, Peter Lambert gave a very good performance. He didn't let up an earned run in six innings and then, you know, Suter pitched well. So naturally Bard fell apart in the ninth, um, you know, uh, you know, as you do, I think he, he walked, uh, 
Okay, I have his box right. He walked four batters in yes. um, two-thirds of inning. Yeah, uh, and, not, he, and hit one with the bases loaded, too. That's not good. I, no. I, I don't know what the analytics department no. says about right. that, but four <laughs> yeah, walks and a hit batsman in two-thirds of an inning, not the ratio we're looking for Completely here. different from his outing in Miami where he pitched the eighth inning of that 4-3 to three game that they won, and right. he pitched outstanding. He was absolutely outstanding that, well, that game. I, now, Thomas, I need to tell you this because, you know, I, I'm, I hate to show my hand here, but uh, before uh, uh, Paul Holden asked me to sit in this week, I haven't been following the Rockies as closely as some <laughs> other people do. I, I, I'm, I hate to okay. admit that. Um, uh, it's okay to admit because there are people in Denver. I mean, the last two years there's been a Stanley Cup champion and an NBA champion. So a lot of people in Denver haven't been following the Rockies because those seasons – encroach into the baseball season a lot. So uh, I understand. Well, just think in the, in the last, in less than a decade. And, and I have, I have, uh, uh, I have many cousins who grew up in Colorado. They grew up, I have a, I have a whole uh, colony of cousins who grew up in Gunnison and are, and, and by birth are Broncos fans and, and are, in fact, my first memory of them are sending us pictures holding up Orange Crush signs from the late nineteen seventies. <laughs> All right, so that goes back. That's good. and and you know my my cousin Beth, who who now lives in Albuquerque, but uh, still proudly waves her Broncos flag and and um and her dad, my uncle, right up until I think the last picture I saw of him alive was wearing the the Super Bowl <laughs> shirt from when they beat when they beat Carolina a yes. few years ago at Super Bowl Fifty, right? Right, yes. Super Bowl Fifty in in um in santa clara which by the way i know this has nothing to do with anything how did they miss the boat they could have had super they had super bowl 50 in the stadium where the 49ers play how do you not have super bowl (laughs) 49 in the stadium where the 49ers play exactly how did you miss that one you know whenever i think about those (laughs) these number teams i think about the george carlin routine where he's in the middle of He's in the middle of some jokes that have nothing to do with sports. Then he stops. Yeah. He goes, in sports, the 49ers, 76, the 76ers, 49. <laughs> <laughs> but in the last 10 years, you've had a Broncos Super Bowl. You've had, and in the last what, the last calendar year, practically, you've had a, a, a Stanley Cup title and a uh, an NBA title, uh, a long-awaited NBA title. As I think yes. the, uh, the Nuggets, I think, were probably – of all the cursed franchises in the major networks, I think, or the major uh, uh, sporting leagues, uh, I think the Nuggets had one of the most underrated uh, tortured fan bases for all the years, the Alex English years and everything, the Kebe Matombo, all those years where they had so many, not good players, but great players on the yeah. team and couldn't get to the NBA finals. Uh, I, that must have been, you know, I, I always wonder for a team like the Rockies, do local championships take the pressure off of them or do they put more pressure on them? You know, <laughs> it, it, it is so hard to say because obviously there's so much love for the Broncos. The other champions, um, they probably put a little bit more pressure on them because it's like, okay, now you haven't won one, but sometimes they're different silos. Listen, when I first moved here and I actually used to go for haircuts as opposed to just getting out the razor and doing it myself. Um, one of the biggest conversations among just people around the town was the Nuggets. And obviously I'd known about the Nuggets when I was little, they were in the ABA and and they were a very good team even then, but just the kind of they're in 
very involved in generations of people here, and the Rockies are getting there. You know, they're right. a much younger franchise, but I'm starting to see people, even people who come to the press box and work. And so, yeah, I was in I was in elementary school in 2007. Then I start crying. So. <laughs> <laughs> For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can make sure that every part you need fits just right. The first time around, just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know that the part will fit. Or your money back. Because like in sports... Confidence is the name of the game. When you shop on eBay Motors, you shop like a champion. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay Motor Guaranteed Fit is available only to U.S. customers, eligible items only, and exclusions apply. There was, uh, I have a friend of mine who, who sadly I lost, uh, he passed away a few years ago, but he was born and raised in in Denver. And I remember calling him the night that the Colorado Avalanche won the Stanley Cup in their first year in being yes. in Denver, moving from, they were the Quebec Nordiques, and mm-hmm. then they moved there. Of course, fans in Quebec must be going, oh, great, great. We, we, we they were ready to win at that point. I, it's funny, it's funny, just to interrupt, I'll go back. No, yeah, but I yeah. was working in Memphis, Tennessee, and there was a guy, one of the editors on the desk, he actually had played junior hockey, gotten mm-hmm. pretty far in it. And the night that the Avalanche traded for Patrick Waugh, we looked at each other and go, they just won the Stanley Cup. And, and it's like, and the, and the people of Denver have no idea how hard it was for the Nordiques to almost get there. Yeah. yeah. Well, I remember I said, um, congratulations to him. <laughs> and he said, and he said, yeah, I know we've only had him for a year. He said, but I watched the Broncos lose all those years. We deserve to win something. That's right. And he said, <laughs> it's like that was almost a bright. He said that was. He said that felt like half a Broncos Super Bowl is what he said. So you know, it's funny too because the Broncos had not won a Super Bowl by that point. Yeah, and you know I was fortunate enough to be part of the coverage of the 2001 Avalanche that won the Stanley Cup too. Mm-hmm. That was a team, and it it gave me, um, what you wish would happen with the Rockies. That team was under tremendous pressure to win. They had signed mm-hmm. so many people, Wah and Sackick and Forsberg, and brought in Ray Bork, and they brought in Rob Blake. And that was the year. They knew that it was all going to fall apart had they not won that year, and they ended up doing so. Yeah. I knew what I think about because um, the, the Avalanche won in 96. The year before, 95, was the year that the, the Blake Street Bombers – got into the, the the first time we had a wild card and people forget that you know they they got bounced in the first round by the eventual world series champion those first two games at cores the 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 rockies had the winning run on base in game one and they had a lead late in game two if a ball bounced here or there <laughs> the braves would have been down to it and the rockies actually won a game in atlanta yeah, they they wanted so I remember thinking then I said, "Man, 
we could have lived in a world where the eventual <laughs> we look back because the Braves seemed destined to win because they had Glavin, Maddox, Smoltz, Dave Justice, uh, you know, uh, Chipper Jones was on the team. They had all these great players on that team. So it felt like oh, Fred McGriff, another Hall of Famer, was on yes. that club. Uh, poor Terry Pendleton wasn't. Poor guy had a horrible <laughs> luck because he was playing all these teams that always miss winning the World Series. That's a different story. But you could have had the the Galarragas and the the Ellis Burks was on that team and Vinny Castilla and I'm doing this from memory. Uh, uh, Dante Bichette, uh, yeah, Larry yes. Walker, uh, Dante Bichette. Who else? There was another. Um, uh, God, who was? Uh, uh, Walt Weiss was on that yes, team. Exactly. You know and. That almost would have been the ultimate middle figure to the Broncos if the Rockies <laughs> and the Avalanche won in the mid '90s. And the, and the Broncos would have been like, but that yeah, they would have been like, what do we have to do? But then the Broncos did win, just like right. two years, like what was it '99 or '98? They '97, yeah, what '97 going into '98? Yeah, but, okay, it's the Super Bowl in '98 and the Super Bowl in '99 back to back. I've always wondered about that, you know, because you know the Rocks are. You know they're they're that's they're looking to say hey what about us? What about yes, us? you know hey it took the Nuggets uh, what a little over a half century so it's they, you know the Rockies fans haven't suffered as much as those fans have. That's true. You're right, and you know you go back to '95. Like I don't think that the Rockies had enough at that point. It's funny. Oh, I was living in Memphis, Tennessee, but the guy who was the original president of the team, obviously ownership changed before the team hit the field. There, there were a lot of things in the I background. Forgot, I forgot about yeah. that. Yeah. But the president of the team was a man named Steve Earhart, who I think mm-hmm. is, um, he owns the Liberty bowl um, football game. And I think he's a part of the Memphis Grizzlies ownership group, but he was the president of the team. I was covering his son playing high school football in Memphis, Tennessee. So we talked a lot about the Rockies and Coors field and things like that. And, and here they are, Sitting in the playoffs, um, I think that it was a shortened season, which probably benefited them some because their starting pitching was gassed by the playoffs. And I don't know that the bullpen, maybe they could have with with off days and all, maybe the bullpen could have carried them farther, even to the World Series. But we'll never know that. And then it turns out they they make it in their third year. They're the fastest expansion franchise ever to make it. Then the Diamondbacks beat them by a year and then end up winning a World Series. Right. But I, you know, it's funny. I re- that was the first year of Coors too, because they played the yes. first couple of years in Mile High. I did. Uh, for those of you listening to the show, I did an episode a couple of days ago where I talked about the 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 two near misses of the the A's nearly moving to Denver in nineteen after the right. nineteen seventy nine season, and then the Pirates when no one was going. More people are listening to this podcast than attended Pirate games in nineteen eighty five. Yes, and. If one of those two moves, because Denver was obviously a sports crazed city, and as I, as I made the point, it's harder to move a baseball team because there's not a lot of ready-made stadiums ready to go. Mile High, while not a great baseball stadium, could fill the fill the job certainly as well as Three Rivers Stadium could, and so Denver just seemed like a natural place to move a team. And if the A's had moved there. In, uh, in fact, I have over. I have, a, I have an old baseball book from when I was a kid of the baseball preview of 1980, right. and the A's are just listed as the A's because in yeah. parentheses it says either Denver or Oakland because when the <laughs> press they weren't sure where they were going to play. Well, and actually, that was going to be a complicated franchise switch. Yes, because Charlie Finley, who owned the A's, wanted to end up with the White Sox, 
and the right. team in Denver would have been either the A's or the old White Sox or something really weird like that. You had things like that back in the 70s. You had, they to, had, a sh- you had to be around to understand. But yeah, was they, there was all sorts of shell games that were trying to be played, and yeah. Charlie Finley was always in the middle of it. Oh, and yes. But if that move, if the team that was in Oakland uprooted and moved to Denver – you would have had the the A's had a rookie by the name of Ricky Henderson. Yes. And you would have had Ricky Henderson's prime <laughs> at Mile High Stadium. That's right. Um, yeah, with I I mean with you know pitchers being afraid of the ball flying out of there and him being at first base daring them to throw a pitch because he's going to take second. Yeah, and, and you know, I was um kind of around the Pirates then, and it was a really weird time when the Pirates I know there was there was talk about them going to New Orleans also, but that's right. Yeah, it was a tough it it was a tough economic time in Pittsburgh, and mm-hmm. that's one of those that was one of those cities where I mean they had won the World Series in 1979. It's just mm-hmm. that money was getting into baseball, and Pittsburgh was suddenly being left behind as a small market team, and yep. the fans did not have the money to support a team that couldn't compete. And that's what was going on. I'm 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 glad they're still there, you know, deep down, but yeah. Well, it was a would, weird time. If the Pirates had moved, I believe, if I did my homework right, the Pirates had already drafted a certain Arizona State University outfielder yes. by the name of Barry Lamar Bonds. That's and, right. Um, you, this was this was. And I'm just going to say this to avoid any lawsuit. This was skinny, fast Barry Bonds, the one who, when he played in Pittsburgh <laughs> in his first bunch of years in San Francisco, was one of one of if not the most complete player I've ever seen in my life in terms of defense, in terms of power, in terms of a baseball IQ off the charts and stolen base and, and cannon for an arm. And to do that yeah. in the thin air of Denver. Right. Yeah. I'll tell you what. So if, if you would have stayed wanna... skinny his whole career. <laughs> no, because the way the ball flies in Denver. Well, here's the thing. I will say this, and, and and again, no no accusations involved nope, in this, nope, nope. but let's say skinny Barry Bonds and big muscular Barry Bonds. We'll call them two of the two of the greatest players <laughs> who ever lived. Oh yeah, as what, and, and you put them together, and wow. Yeah. Oh yeah, well that's yeah that's that's like a Transformer movie. Let's fast forward to present day again. Um, over the last bunch of days, it seems like every time I've turned on a Rocky game, uh, Brenton Doyle is homered. <laughs> Treo, Nolan Jones is uh, Nolan Jones from all the games. I think he has what 50 game tying home runs this year based upon the games <laughs> that I've been watching. It's like, no, every time they're in a, they're in a pinch, you know, Nolan Jones is, uh, uh, is coming up and, you know, some of these young players, Tovar and, you know, um, there's one other one I'm missing who who came up recently. Um, well, Michael uh, Tolia was called up just the other yes, day. Yes, uh, yeah, I knew he. Hilarious Montero shows up again and mm-hmm. hits a home run yesterday. So, oh, by the way, so people will know, I am drinking from a can. This is seltzer water. It is not beer. I oh. know I'm covering the Rockies, but you don't need beer to get through the day. Okay. I'm, look, at I wasn't about to judge. I wasn't about to judge. I'm just glad hey, you didn't. This, this I'm shows glad you up didn't. on Twitter. You know, <laughs> I mean, by now, yeah. I could be. Who knows? <laughs> I'm just glad you didn't do the whole thing with a shotgun where you push it with a pencil <laughs> and drink it like that. Yes. Like, if that's the case, then I know you're watching a Rockies game. 
But um, we're dropping this episode on either the 27th or 28th of July. Uh, and uh, like every baseball fan, I'm refreshing Twitter every second on the second to try to see who's been traded where, what, or elsewhere. Uh, the Rockies have already made the first – have already fired the first salvo uh, by, by uh, sending Pierce Johnson packing to, um, uh, to Atlanta. And that didn't work out well in his first game in, in, against the Red Sox. Um, obviously, Randall Grichuk's name has been bounced around a lot. Um, you know, Chris Bryant and Charlie Blackman are injured, so that's probably going to keep them from you know being dealt anywhere. Um, but but you know, probably Grichuk, probably Cron, and probably Daniel Bard are going to be on the trade block. Uh, do you have any thoughts of uh, where they? maybe going or if any of them will buy it against all odds uh stick around for next year well let me um first um go back on a couple of things number one actually it's the second trade the the pierce johnson to atlanta is the second trade because they were able to get a pitching prospect connor van soyo from the mm-hmm. uh from the angels for mike moustakas so that was That's, the first one so okay yep. and it looks like the rockies because of who they have, they're not trading a superstar. So it looks like what they're doing is building the farm system and building numbers of pitchers because pitchers get hurt, pitchers struggle, and not everybody can pitch in Denver. So that, that looks like what they're doing. As far as guys who could, should be on the move, um, I would take Chris Bryan off that list to begin with, uh, mm-hmm. that contract. It, it, it's unmovable. Yeah. Um, but C.J. Crone, he, he, you're right. Uh, the, the back struggles, I think, probably backed a couple of teams off. He'll have to, in the days between now and maybe when this runs, he'll have to get back there, prove he's healthy because he's really hitting the ball well. Um, they couldn't move him last year. And that's that's one of the things that, that I, I when I watched the um, analysis of the trade deadline last year and people were saying the Rockies refused to move C.J. Crow. Well, between um, the All-Star break and the trade deadline, he was hitting barely over 100 or somewhere in that. There's no way you could move a guy like that to a, to a competitive team because guess what? That team's trying to win. They don't want to take a guy who's hitting below 200. Um, but this year, when he came back from his injury, he's really hit well. I think over 300 batting average, um, a bunch of home runs. He, he looks like the guy. And it seems that from talking to him, his back issues, they don't affect him swinging the bat. So if he goes somewhere – as a DH, maybe as a part-time first baseman, or even a bat off the bench, that looks good. The other guys, Randall Gritchick has really performed well this season. Um, You know, he started it late because of the hernia surgery, but he's hit for average all year, and now the power is starting to show up. He's the type of guy that he makes adjustments during the year, and when he hits on something, he can really take off. I think that he's kind of at the top of the list of guys to move. Jerks and Profar, um, obviously they signed him during spring training. The numbers are still somewhere around 240, but from talking to people that 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 have known him from the past, he, you look at the numbers and say, "Gee, why are we bringing this guy in?" But you see him on a good team, and maybe he's hitting lower in the order, or maybe he's coming off the bench, or maybe he's hitting leadoff. He finds a way in a clutch situation to get on base. So, the, so those guys are assets. They're not at the top of everyone's list. So it'll be closer to the deadline. I think the others that could move are a couple of lefty relievers, Brad Hand and Brent yeah. Suter, who is throwing the ball as well as anybody. I don't think they moved Bard in the first year of a two-year contract. Um, mm-hmm. 
a couple of guys that would probably be lower on the list. Obviously, they're not going to move. Um, they're not going to move Bryant. There'd be very few teams they could move Charlie Blackman to, and he has the right of veto, being a ten and five guy. Um, so you know, there there are some interesting characters there. Uh, people have talked about Elias Diaz, the All Star catcher, but. It's a very economical contract. Three years, right. $14.5 There are backups who are making about that on, on bigger market teams. I don't think the Rockies would move him now. They have young pitching. Um, maybe, in the, maybe in the winter they could talk about that. But there yep. is young pitching. No, I, I totally agree with you on this, especially when you're, you're trying to develop young pitching and you have an all-star <laughs> catcher there. I mean, it, I'm not turning him into Crash Davis where right. his role is to, to move nuclear Lucia along. But <laughs> in a way, you know, you you want to have that stable, you know, that stable player in, you know, at that at that point. Uh, though, before we go, I just want to say I think C.J. Cron is interesting. He had a very obviously had a very good year last year. Uh, he's obviously struggled this year, but there are several contenders who just need a professional bat in the middle of their lineup. You look at the Yankees, you look at Cleveland, which was teams whose offense is just stagnant right now. And you just think that like, you know, if they just had one more bat in there to sort of keep the rally going and you're not asking CJ Gron, sorry, CJ Cron to have a great 150 games. You're asking him to have a good seven weeks. Yeah, and, and, maybe, and, and maybe him waking up and not being in the middle of a pennant race <laughs> would be a nice motivating factor. Well, it's funny because when you look at CJ Crone last year versus this year, this year is the much more desirable player because right. last year the first half was incredible. The second half, by the end, he had hit 197. Right. Since the injury, he's hitting over 300. So he is hitting at the right time. So he would be a good guy to move. But the on the Rockies' end, do they need a first baseman? Well, they've got Tolia. They've got Montero coming up. They've got uh, Nolan Jones who can play some first base. Some of these veteran position players, moving them would allow younger guys to come in, and they do have younger guys. I think when you look at Diaz, there, there's some catching in the organization. Drew Romo, a supplemental first-round pick a couple of years ago. He's in double-A now. He's not ready yet, but maybe next year that would be the time to kind of start introducing him. So some of the exciting young players that you're seeing – it probably would do the Rockies some good to move some of their veterans who could really help a contending team and, and just get those guys involved in the major leagues. Hey, I've seen this before. That's what happened going into 2007. I think um, 2006 was – they were better than they are now. But you, you go back and you look, that was a team with a losing record, 05, 06. But they were moving in those young guys, and eventually they meshed, they meshed with um, Todd Helton. And really from 2000 nine to um, 2007 to 2010 that was probably the seven to ten probably the best four-year stretch of this franchise um, in a long time well listen if you're a Rockies fan uh, Thomas Harding just did his best John the Baptist to make you feel good about what's coming down the pike and I hope, <laughs> that, I hope that wasn't too sacrilegious well, but, but you but you notice what I didn't say because you don't know about pitching I've said this That's on true. so many on so yeah. many shows that the issue with the Rockies is when they're like a lot of fans can look at a building program. Like say you look at the Baltimore Orioles. Yeah. You could almost see this coming and say, maybe this is the year. Maybe they're a year and a half ahead with the Rockies. You'd never really see it coming. I, I will say that um, when Bud Black took this job and also the people within the Rockies, they saw that they could put, you know, three or four rookies in the starting rotation and go to the playoffs. I didn't see that. Um, right. You, so right now you don't see the pitching coming. So 
Um, if, if I'm trying to convert you, believe me, I understand that right. I can't. I can't say here's your pitching. I can't say that. Well, that's why I think it's smart that they've been drafting lots of college pitching because, like, the first like six or seven picks, or like uh, five of their first six picks were all college pitchers. It's like, look at this is the only way we're going to get it, our own staff is to bring up pitchers who are, who've had some success in college and develop them to get ready for cores because you know you're not going to sign a right. top free agent. You know, no one's going to be fooled like Mike Hampton again. And you know that, you know, and if you trade for someone who's not been built up to pitching cores, so that's really the only way to do it. It is the main way. I mean, it, and they don't have the depth of prospect right. in the minor leagues or, or maybe late in their arbitration years. Although, um, the question will be, do they trade like a Brent, Brendan Rodgers? Although he's, you know, a big part of their, a big part of the team now. I, I would think long and hard. They don't have the trade, like for instance, sending Corey Dickerson to Tampa Bay and getting Herman Marcus. They don't have that right now. So yeah, I think it's thirty pitchers drafted and six traded for over the last two years, and I believe it's spring training. Counting major and minor league camp, there were over a hundred pitchers in there. They're hoping to find, you know, three or four starters and maybe some guys to pitch out of the bullpen. So they're attacking the problem with numbers. Let's say. Well, well, you're going to attack it with knowledge. That's Thomas Harding, who is a fantastic follow on Twitter, a tremendous writer. Check out his stuff all on MLB.com, and uh, a good all-around man who knows his Rockies, knows his Rockies left and right from before they were the Rockies, evidently. (laughs) Yes, right. Yes, I I didn't even know I'd be here. So thank you so much for having me, man. Oh, absolutely. For everyone else, uh, it's been a real blast sitting in as a guest host and following your rocks for this week. Paul Holden will be back starting next week, so make sure to follow this podcast at LO Rockies Rockies on Twitter. That's correct. Follow Paul at uh, Paul Holden 33. Uh, I'm usually the host of Locked On MLB. I'm your pal Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter. Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Talking about the Rocks, past, present, and future with Thomas Harding. This has been Locked On Rockets for the either 27th or 28th of July. Depends on when you're listening. <laughs> I am your guest host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.